Father, as we pause on this idea of, of what our heart's cry is, of what our heart's desire is, Lord, I would pray that uh, in the midst of all of the, the noise and activity and busyness of, of everyday life, that, Lord, you would clear away and you would make a, a clear, straight path in front of us that we would live for your glory, we would live to magnify you, to make the name of Jesus bigger. Lord, so that you are, you are preeminent in our own lives, but in our families. Lord, that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed in this community that is in need of you and of the message of the gospel. I thank you for Big Woods Bible Church and for what it has stood upon for, for 30 years now. We thank you, Lord, for those that have faithfully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for how you have positioned us in this community and how you have blessed us in amazing ways. And God, I would ask that we would, we would always just remove ourselves, keep you and keep one another in our focus. Father, I I pray for these few moments that we have together with your word, your word open before us. I pray, Lord, for keen minds that we would hear you and you alone. Father, that as we wrestle with the subject of the pursuit of freedom, something we all long for, that we are reminded where freedom lies and, and who ultimate freedom lies in. Father, I pray, Lord, for people that are sitting this morning, perhaps are are grieving, are in in the midst of a struggle personally. Perhaps marriage is in conflict. Perhaps there's financial burdens or worries. Perhaps, Lord, in the quietness of one's heart, there's an illness or a sickness. I just pray, Lord, that you would minister the God of all comfort that you are. But also, Lord, I pray that you would awaken us, that you would quicken us, Lord, that the cry of our hearts would truly bring to bring you praise in everything. May you be glorified in this in this brief time together. We ask this in the strong name of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> There's a lot of talk um, that's going on about freedom, Uh, the subject of freedom. It it is 4th of July weekend, and you know it, we we get a day off, which everyone loves, and we get to eat watermelon, and we get to toast marshmallows around a, a campfire. And we get to light firecrackers and we get to sit and watch fireworks. I don't know why, but we just seem to love fire for some reason. We are celebrating America's 238th birthday. Land of the free. Home of the brave, Danny. Remember that movie line? We are so blessed... We have so much to be thankful for. We live in a country that has been based on Judeo-Christian 
principles. We have a constitution that begins with that oh-so-precious Bill of Rights. The First Amendment that says what? You and I have the freedom to be here together today, the freedom of religion. We have the freedom of speech. We have the Second Amendment that says what? If you want to, you can carry a gun in this country. For us today, America is all about life, liberty, and, and the pursuit of happiness. Elusive, but you and I are actually entitled to pursue it. I am grateful for the many men and women who have sacrificed and who have died for our freedom. You know some of them. I am most grateful. I am most thankful. But I am also most fearful for our country, for our own community, for the culture that we live in. I am fearful for our children. The reason is this, and I don't want to be a downer on the 4th of July, but, but I am committed to speak truth. America today is sliding speedily downward in a moral decline of unprecedented, unparalleled measures. America continues to be one of, if not the wealthiest society that has ever existed in the history of the world, and yet people still today in our country are grabbing and grabbing and grabbing for more and more. We need a nicer house. We need a nicer car. Greed rules. Pleasure reigns. Divorce is epidemic. We know what? Suicide rates continue to rise. I had breakfast yesterday with a friend of mine who heads up a ministry in, in jails, ministry of chaplains, and he reminded me that rates of incarceration are increasing now that 2.2 million people in our country are locked up. 10 million are within the court system or, or on parole. We know that drug use and abuse are out of control. Our own test, our own community testifies of that. America pumps more sewage of pornography into our culture than any other country. Billions of dollars annually. Abortion is so commonplace, it has moved from the clinics to simply a morning after a drunken stupor pill. We've become a nation that not only celebrates homosexuality as an acceptable lifestyle, but it actually encourages young people today to experiment with their sexuality because they just may be bisexual or transsexual or transgendered. Today, rather than seeing sex as a gift from God to be enjoyed exclusively, not just between a man and a woman, but exclusively between a husband and a wife. But today it has been exploited. As a result, kids are completely confused. STDs continue to spread 
rampantly. The lie of evolution is constantly peddled as fact when it is not. Our culture idolizes people like Kim and Kanye and Brad, Brad and Angelina and Miley and Beyonce who have offered us music and movies and entertainment that is of no redeeming value. In no way does it glorify God. And yet we live in a society where we know these so-called celebrities by their first name and people watch constantly their every slithering move. People are literally worshiping athletes like LeBron and D. Wade and RG3, thinking that all you have to do is be rich and play ball and it will solve every problem. We live in a nation where over the past year and a half we have averaged one random mass shooting a week. We have more literate kids in our country than ever before. We have fewer kids going to college than ever before. We have shrinking and dying churches who have chosen voluntarily to deny the authority of Scripture and the infallibility of God's words. Thus, we live in a society that has chosen relativism over absolute truth. And now we wonder why millions upon millions do not recognize the sacredness of marriage, the sanctity of human life. We wonder why the message of the gospel is not being preached any longer in many churches. We live in a nation where there are millions that have completely lost a fear of God's. We are blessed to live in a free nation. But I want to tell you this morning that we cannot, we cannot put our hope of freedom for eternity in the kingdom of this world. You know our history books. I can remind you of kingdoms that rise and kingdoms fall. You can read of the great Egyptian, Assyrian, Babylonian, Medo-Persian, the Roman empires. You can read of the power of the German Third Reich or the communist Soviet Union. The history of our world is comprised of nations that have rose to prominence, that have reigned and ruled over everyone and everything, and they have collapsed into piles of, of ash and dust of defeat. Yes, we are to love our country. I love our country. Yes, we are to pray for our country. Yes, we can pursue happiness and freedom. But today in our text, it brings us to a place of pursuing freedom and something entirely different than what we hear about in our world today. We talk about, we talk about pursuing freedom in a kingdom that cannot fall. A kingdom that will not fall because it is established upon one who cannot fall. This morning in our text in Galatians chapter 5, we begin this practical portion of Scripture. We are reminded that there is a kingdom that is based upon God and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the freedom from sin that He offers through His work on the cross. His atoning death and His miraculous Resurrection from the dead. Look at, look at this text. It's a brief one. The first six verses 
of Galatians chapter 5 where it teaches us about real freedom and how we stand firm in the real freedom that Christ has to offer. Here it is, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. For freedom, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. A number of years ago, it actually goes back to 2003. I was surprised it was that long. The Associated Press reported on May the 6th of that year a story of a man by the name of Aaron Ralston. Some of you may think or remember the name of this, this avid climber, rock climber from Aspen, Colorado. And, and he slipped and he got his arm trapped in between two rocks. In 2010, there was a movie that was made called 127 Hours, the story of Aaron Ralston. And I won't go into the details or some of the gory graphics of what happened, but basically after waiting a period of time with his rock pinned, he knew that he was going to die there. He was in bondage until he had an idea and he took his own knife and made a tourniquet and, and, and actually cut off his own arm to, to be freed. What do you call that? What do you, what do you call when, when somebody has that type of, of, of fortitude, of purpose, of willpower? What, what do you call that? Grits? You call that grit? You call that guts? I don't know about you. I just, I just feel like I'm dying there with my arm on. There's something about it that there's, there's something that is so amazing about that kind of resolve that we admire that. That's, that's, that tenaciousness is really the attitude that Paul has here. Paul's writing with that same kind of bold determination. As he begins this fifth chapter in the book of Galatians. Remember big picture. Remember the high altitude view as far as what's happening here. Paul is writing his letters to, to, to Christians, primarily believers that have been lied to, that have been led astray. Ultimately, there are some in this audience, I'm certain, that are completely lost. And they're all struggling with accepting the true gospel of Jesus Christ and living under grace, not works, not law. 
In this text, it introduces, and it begins with the subject of freedom, and how today we long for freedom. There's something inside of us. We don't want to be bound. We don't want to be pinned. I, I picked up this in, in, the, in the advertising world. You, you hear this all the time, and I actually made a list of how there's so many things that, that, that remind us that we don't want to be restricted. We don't like parameters. It's a clothing line that, that boasts what? If you buy this particular type of clothing, there's, there's no boundaries in your life. Go to Outback Steakhouse and, and, and order dinner. Why? Because there's no rules there. Buy a four-wheel drive vehicle and there's, there's no limits to where you can go. There's a sportswear line that talks about no fear. Something in our world that says we hate to be bound up. There's this idea that we want to pursue freedom. Here the Holy Spirit leads the Apostle Paul to write about the pursuit of freedom, but it's freedom that doesn't come from, from the clothes you wear or the cars you drive. It's freedom that comes in Christ. So this morning as we kind of look into this text, I want you to ask yourself, do, do I live with this kind of freedom? Every day do I wake up? Do I have this? Do I enjoy freedom in Christ? First question that kind of summarizes that, I want you to ask this are you standing firm? The first couple of verses. I want you to think about that. Am I presently, this moment, am I standing firm? Paul begins with this. For freedom, for freedom, with the purpose of freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Some of you I know love the old King James Version. It, it reads, it, it's almost completely inverted. The King James translates it like this. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Paul is very, very obvious here. This term, stand fast or stand firm, literally it means stay where you are. Don't, don't give up any ground. Don't slink away. Don't shy away. Don't, don't move. Don't budge. Don't fidget. And if you've picked up these, these couple words here, stand firm or stand fast, this is very common knowledge in, in Pauline writing. Uh, you'll see in various places, in various churches, he writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter 6, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on a breastplate of righteousness. Paul writes to the church at Philippi in chapter 1, verse 27, I may hear of you standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You ever wonder, why is, why is Paul so adamant on this? Why is he always using this stand firm idea, particularly when it comes to standing firm in the freedom of Christ? Why is he so vocal? Same reason that someone who grows up in an alcoholic home for some reason can't, can't stand that detests the smell of alcohol. Same reason as someone who, who grows up in a loud, abusive home hates screaming or, 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 or shouting. 
If anyone knows, Paul knows firsthand. Paul is adamant about spiritual freedom because he knows better than anyone else the dangers of living in the bondage or the restrictions of legalism. So what does he do? He wants to guard Christians. He wants to guard his listeners. You and I this morning from, from, from the danger of living in bondage. Nothing frustrated Paul more. You could even say that Paul was angry in a righteous indignation. Whenever anyone took, took religion and, and nullified the freedom of God's grace, Paul's being so emphatic here because what? The Judaizers, those Jewish legalists are wrongly influencing the Galatian Christians. What? They don't like, they don't want the grace. They don't want the freedom. Judaizers is the type of people who would say, what? Grace today is dangerous. You have to be, 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 beware of that. Grace replaces law with license. You can do whatever you want. No, that's not the truth. Judaizers are the same type of people, just like we have today, that says, what? If we do away with our traditions, if we do away with our rules and our, our, our regulations, if we abandon our, our high righteous standards, then the church will fall apart. We hear that all over the place. That is not at all true. For you and I do not hold this church together. By God's grace, what? We are recipients of of his blessings. And he calls us to simply be obedient. What, What does it say? It says Christ has made us free. So we would not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Are we the ones who offer liberty? Or is Christ the one who offers liberty? Christ is. Stand firm, stand fast in his works. Interestingly, that Paul adds this in verse 2. He says what? Circumcision, which at that point was one of the staple, kind of stable beliefs of the law, will be of no advantage to you. And then he adds in verse 3, he writes, if you want to go the route of circumcision in order to be spiritual, he says that you will be obligated. Another translation is you will be indebted to keep the whole law. He means this. If you really think that fulfilling that one piece, being obedient to that one piece of the law, then you better what? Then you, then, then you be a, better be obedient to everything. Well, how much of the law? You, you better eat a kosher diet. You better make sure that you don't take too many steps on the Sabbath day. Um, I was reading this week, one of the elders was reminding me that, that there's elements of the law that says you can't wear, wear, wear fabric that is woven with two different ingredients. You can't have wool and cotton together. That's, that's not, and 600 plus other laws. If you're going to believe that this leads you to salvation, then you will be indebted to believe and obey Adhere to all of it. Paul just says, what? don't go that route. Don't even go there. Stand fast. Don't make concessions to legalism. You can't harmonize the law and grace. You can't have two saviors. There's only one. What do we stand fast in? What are the specifics? How do we apply this? First and foremost, stand fast in what? What what is our salvation based? Stand fast in justification. 
in the doctrine of justification, you, if you have acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have given your life to him, you recognize that he is the only one, the only means of salvation, you have been made righteous through Christ. Christ has set us free. I love how Paul writes to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 3, you are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that you can do to earn it or win it. It has been given to you. You have been justified. Stand fast in the doctrine of justification. Stand fast. What else does it say? In sanctification. Today, this very moment, you have been set apart. Something precious and something valuable in your home. You take it and you set it apart. That's exactly. Stand fast in sanctification. You are being made holy through Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 says, By a single offering, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You're not done yet. Praise God. That God actually has a plan to set us apart and allow us what? To be made into holiness. Stand fast. Thirdly, stand fast in glorification. It says in verse 5, what? That we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Do you realize that glorification is that one day, we have a hope today that one day you will be completed. You will be perfected. You're cool now. At one day, what? The doctrine of glorification says that you will be what Christ will look and says that one right there, my own son, my daughter, they're done. But boy, and, until that time, and until that time of being together, we have, we have what? A job to do. We are less than perfect. We are fallen people in a fallen world. But we can stand fast in this. We can stand firm in this. When it comes to these three areas, asking yourself, how am I doing in this? First and foremost, am I standing firm in justification? There's nothing that I can do but all of what Christ has done. Am I standing firm in in sanctification, trusting that God is, 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 is perfecting me? Am I standing firm in glorification with the hope that one day we'll, we'll make it? How are you doing? Not the person next to you. How are you doing in this area? Are you trusting and resting in Christ and Christ alone? Or do you rely on your own goodness, on your own spiritual hash marks? We keep those little notches in our gun stock. Whenever something good happens, okay, we just kind of, that's one more for me. That is, that is just so wrong. Remember that little, years ago, the little Sunday school song? I'm not going to sing it for you because I know... But, but the foolish man built his house on the sand. Rains came and the floods. And what happened? What? The whole thing went, it fell. There's like actions. And then, and then there's a second verse that says what? The wise man built his house on the rock. And the rains came, the floods. And what? It stood. 
That, that's, that's a picture of your life and my life. First Corinthians 3 says, There is no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Every day you wake up and you realize at best you're broken. But yet God has what? God has, has, has sent His Son to die in my place. And as a result of that, I am justified. I am being set apart and I have the hope of glory. And I live every day saying, that's the freedom that I look forward to. That's the freedom that I enjoy. Are you standing firm? Or secondly and finally, are you falling fast? It says this, you have been estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Initial read is just, there's just something frightening about that. Fallen what? It means to be separated. It means to be severed. It means that you lose your grip or you're, it's slipping away. Please understand first and foremost and, and to clarify, make very, very clear, fallen away from grace does not, has no inclusion to the idea of losing your salvation. Okay? When you talk about falling from grace, we're not talking about one losing. The whole weight of Scripture simply does not allow that. Okay, we are what? We are churches based upon the authority of Scripture, and we know what? The doctrine of eternal security. Perseverance of the saints. Once saved, always saved. All kinds of Scripture. Ephesians 1, in Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, the praise of His glory. Ephesians 4, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed until the day of redemption. 2 Corinthians 1, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and He has anointed us and who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. John 10, no one will ever take you out of your Father's hands. So this is not talking about one losing your salvation, but it does talk about what you and I can fall from grace. You're not losing your salvation, but it means what you're moving outside that circle of your practice and your behavior and holiness. It actually means you're closing the door on your own Christian growth. On, on God's blessing in your life, your sanctification, the process of being set apart and made holy, your sanctification is literally interrupted. Think of this. When a Christian refuses or neglects the grace of sanctification, doesn't mean that you lose the grace of justification. If justification were interrupted every single time, it would mean what? It's based on your own works. It's not. I like the way Dr. Warren Wearsby says it like this. You fall away from operating under the unction of grace and now perform only in the weakness of your own flesh. How many times do we, what, work in our own strength, in our own flesh? 
And we, in a sense, are removing God from that place of preeminence in our own lives. And we are following after what we want to follow. But may I ask you this? Are, are you, perhaps, even today, are you falling fast? Living in a place where you're performing in, in the weakness of your own flesh. You, you, you lose grip on. Some of you say, yeah, but it, it, it used to be so precious. Christ just seems so distant. I don't see the cross. I don't, I, I don't feel Jesus. How does this text conclude? Look at verses 5 and 6 again. For through the spirits. Here it is. Introduction of how we do this in, in Galatians chapter 5. Through the spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, no works is what he's saying, counts for anything but only faith working through love. And so there's an amazing point where the mirror of Scripture is put up right before our own eyes. We ask the question, are you falling? Realize you're actually, you're actually falling when you think that all you have to do is obey the right rules. Just come to church. Make sure you don't run anybody off the road on the way and you're doing good. No, no, no. no, That's not what we see. You're to have faith in Christ and in Christ alone. You're actually falling. You're closing the door on God's what? On God's process of sanctification. When you think what? That you have the strength, that you have the ability to improve yourself. You're actually falling from grace if you believe that. If you're acting like that, you are to trust, have faith in Christ and in Christ alone. You're falling when you think that you have completely arrived. And all you got to do is just what? Just shine yourself up and put a smile because this is as good as it gets. I, I, I have accomplished. I, I have no more to grow. I have no more to learn. I tell you what, you're falling from grace. No, you can't. You have to have faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Remember, faith in Jesus' work on the cross frees us from the danger falling. And today we pause. We enjoy the freedoms that we have as a country. But let me tell you this. We don't put our hope in the freedoms of this country. We put our hope in the freedom that lasts for eternity. Put our hope in the kingdom not of man, but the kingdom of God. And so we examine through the truth of, of God's word through the ministry of the Spirit of God, we examine our hearts and we say, are are we standing firm in this? Every day are we rooted and grounded or are we slipping? I trust that you stand because today we need people more than ever before to stand firm in the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your words that teach us. I pray, Lord, that we would hear from you and that we would apply the truth of your word. And that you be glorified through our tiny efforts. In your name we pray. Amen.